The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Johnny, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Brent Allen, one of your hosts, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through all of the series. And this is the show where each week Matt watches a key episode of Star Trek for the very first time in an attempt to figure out why Star Trek is as big as it is, what it all means, and what does the future look like. My job is to guide him from episode to episode and make sure he's getting the most out of each one so that he can be bam so that he can be beamed up into the fandom. Today's episode, Yesteryear. In this episode, the crew are visiting the Guardian of Forever. Remember that guy? Spock and Kirk are just returning from a time hop when they emerge from the portal and no one seems to remember Spock. And Andorian, not the Vulcan, is the first officer of the Enterprise. So they look up Spock and turns out he's not even enlisted in Starfleet anymore. They look up his family and turns out Spock's parents are divorced. His mother died shortly after their seven-year-old son was killed. And the name of that seven-year-old? Spock. Well, some weird mumbo-jumbo about fourth-dimensional time travel, and they figure out that in the original timeline, Spock himself was supposed to go back and save, well, himself from death during a Vulcan ritual. But because he was out time-hopping and gallivanting around the timeline, he didn't, so he died. Well, his younger self, that is. So Spock sets off on a mission to go back and save himself. Posing as a completely fictitious cousin, Selick, Spock goes back and crashes at his dad's house, arrives just in time for young Spock to prepare to untake that Vulcan ritual I talked about, the Kazwan, a super dangerous ritual, but one that Spock can't afford to fail. So no pressure, kiddo. As Spock sneaks out, young Spock that is, to get a trial run at the Kazwan, his pet Salot, Aichaya, can never say that one right. Achaya follows him. They're attacked by a creature with poisonous claws. Adult Spock saves them, restoring that part of the timeline. But a new drinkle has taken place. Achaya took a poisoned claw and is dying. In the end, young Spock must make the tough decision to allow his pet to be euthanized. And it's this experience that convinces Spock to devote himself to the Vulcan way of logic. With the timeline now restored, Spock, adult Spock that is, heads home. But not before teaching his younger self the Vulcan neck pinch. Matt! Yes. We are finished with the original series, sort of. This is your 14th <laughs> episode of Star Trek as a whole. This is your first and will be your only episode of the animated series. Uh-huh. This is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> because I it, I don't know that the, the format that we have established so far is going to work. Uh, because there's a lot to get into. But mm-hmm. before we get into all of that, you know, what's going on with the animated series? How'd that come about? How do we get to the movies? All that sort of stuff. Just overall with this particular episode, what'd you think? It's interesting. Okay. And I I, I, I love cartoons from this era, from the, you know, 50s, 60s, okay. 70s. Okay. I, I, I In general, uh-huh. I'm a fan. Okay. Like, it, it's kind of what I grew up with, but... I I'm curious now to know mm-hmm. if the other episodes of 
these Star Trek animated series uh-huh. are, are closely in line with this one. Okay. Or if they go down a different path or <laughs> like, w- 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 like I, I kind of want to sit down and watch some more of them. You are more than welcome to do that, Matt. <laughs> I will not stop you from that at all. For the purposes of this podcast, we won't be going through them. But if you do, mm-hmm. certainly let us know. Uh, a couple of notable ones for me, uh, More Troubles, More Tribbles, Okay, where obviously you can guess what happens in that one. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I mean, there's a couple of really good ones. But look, here's the deal. Um, gosh, see, see, here's the thing. Like, my notes for this episode are all over the place. <laughs> like because there's there's just so much going into this and and I mean I, I this particular one I, I think I mentioned I I do some research on on these episodes mm-hmm. and I learn new things as I'm preparing and some things are just like uh hey I remember hearing about this somewhere where was that so I can go get that reference yeah most of this was all new stuff to me okay so I'm I'm learning tons of it like I knew some of the surrounding stuff but things within it um the this episode, um, I, I, normally I get to the end of the episode and I say, hey, do you understand why I picked this episode? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you why I picked this episode. Sure. W- one, because you know, part of the mantra of our podcast here is, is to get you familiar with what Star Trek is about, where Star Trek has gone, what it's doing. And mm-hmm. it, I think it would be a crime to completely ignore the animated series, sure. although I considered it. I really did. Um, <laughs> I think because, I'm glad you didn't. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But the animated series is largely contested as to whether or not it's considered canon in the first place. Interesting. And we'll talk about that in just a I, moment. I did have a few questions yeah, about that. Cause it's, yeah, because it's it, – it, yeah. However, this particular episode of yesteryear, it's kind of like the one exception to that. Okay. That rule. Like, That's in- <laughs> this one is canon. But, how, yeah. How can they say okay, this one so, is with the rest of them? Okay. Uh, so let me so so let me back up a little bit, Matt, and kind of give you a run at where the animated series is before we get into the episode, because I think most sure. of this is just going to be dealing with what's going on in the world of Star Trek, the production world of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you can pick apart the what's inside the episode all you want, Matt, and I'll just sit here and, and nod at you. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I'm curious to see what you picked up on. So I, want, I do want to get into that but yeah yeah um you know i i'm not going to correct too much out of this episode uh, if that makes <laughs> sense so so okay so we talked about the the original series uh the third season they went in they moved it gene roddenberry basically abandoned the project mm-hmm. um let it kind of live out its life it died the show wrapped up in 1969 sure right um gene roddenberry at this point had moved on he thought star trek was done he was out he and majel have since gotten married they're trying to start a family mm-hmm. um need a little bit of money you know uh just because they're trying to do stuff. And um, somebody comes along and says, hey, uh, there's this studio opening up called Filmation. And okay. Filmation is – it's it's the animation studio. They said, let's bring Star Trek in as an animated version. Let's put it on Sat- – this was a Saturday morning cartoon directed to kids. The best kind. Okay. And, you know, other, other uh, shows that Filmation did, they did Ghostbusters. They did Fat Albert and the gang. He-Man, She-Ra, y- you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all those oh, yeah. kind of, uh, yeah. I, um, I, I, I can see that, you know, that the animation style coming through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously being animation, they can do things in animation you can't do live <laughs> Absolutely. action. Absolutely, right? absolutely, yes. Um, 
like have a big, huge teddy bear with six inch fangs. Like it <laughs> would have been really hard to do live action. Um, while pro- the production schedule was much more elongated, you know, a, a, a produ- uh, an episode of live action, you can do it in about a week. Mm-hmm. An episode of animation is like four months. Yeah. And Filmation had this thing cranking out like a, like a factory, yeah. pushing these things out. And they use like Xerox copies of different things. And it results in all sorts of uh, mistakes and color boo-boos. And like there were times <laughs> where they, because of the Xeroxing thing, they'd put uh, uh, Scotty's head on top of Captain Kirk and change the color of his uniform. And then turns out, <laughs> if you look at it, that means Scotty was the captain because of the stripes and what, like it just all sorts of things. And sure. uh, the the director was colorblind, so he didn't know. Like, there's a lot of pink throughout the animated huh. series, and that's because the director was colorblind. He just never knew. Um, all right, colorings are off because that's just how they worked in animation. Uh, so, so th- there was all this stuff going on, but they were very excited. NBC gets on board. They come up to Gene Roddenberry, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." They call in some of the original uh, writing staff. Uh, DC Fontana, who, by the way, wrote our episode for today, if you remember I, her. I took note of that. There yep. you go. Um, you know, she, she's in for the Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of, the, kind of, of the, chief, one of the chief people for this. And uh, they got to work on a, on a Saturday morning production. This, this series lasted for two seasons. Um, 20 some odd episodes, although the last season was only six episodes long before, you know, whatever happened. Um, and before we get out of here today, uh, Matt, I want to talk about how we go from the animated series into the movies. Sure. Into next generation. Uh, just kind of so you get a running leap because that's where we're going right after this. Uh, so don't let me get out of here without talking about that. But sure. for this this here, um, they were able to get all the original actors to come back and do the voices. Uh-huh. Um, they got, like I said, they got their writing staff. They they brought everybody together and they said, yeah, this is for kids. And I'm sorry if I'm all over the place because, like I said, my notes are <laughs> just so scattered. Uh, they said, yeah, this is for kids, but they're going to do Star Trek. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't just like a kid show. Like it is, but it's not. But they're going to yeah. do Star Trek. They're going to do yeah. the moral tale. They're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a different thing. So, you know, here they are. And in a way they go making it. Now, you started me actually. You asked me a question. And I don't know how I got onto all this. Where am I going with this? <laughs> I told you this would be all over the place, Matt. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, Oh, canon. We're talking about how this got to be canon. Yes. So when Gene Roddenberry agreed to do this, like I said, he thought Star Trek was done. He had already checked out of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Gene Roddenberry was back as as an executive consultant, but that was about it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it got his blessing. He was just trying to get a check, right? Yeah. Well, in the aftermath of the animated series, they start working on a new television series. They start working on the movies, and then Next Generation comes out, to which Gene Roddenberry stepped back into the production and the writing and the the running of the show. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to be tied to... What happened with the animated series? So he actually, like, it was canon for, like, 15 years because there was nothing else, right? Yeah. There was nothing to contradict it. And then the new series came out. They said, yeah, we're not going to abide by that. They're just going to kind of make their own thing. So they decanonized it. Uh, Gene Roddenberry dies. And he, and he like, he talks about, uh, I, I was listening to an interview with Gene Roddenberry's arch- archivist, archivist. Sure. Something like that. You know, he's yep. a guy who worked a lot with Gene, right? Yep, yep. Um, and I'm sorry. Hold on. Where is my note on that? Um, uh, editing for this episode is going to be great. Yep. Um, so so uh, 
he Roddenberry turns out, according to the archivist, Roddenberry, because he thought that this was dead and it wasn't going to go anywhere, he was just kind of looking for a money grab. He allowed things to happen in the run of the animated series that he never would have actually allowed had he been like thinking this was going to be something that would go forward. Sure. sure. And who could predict that? though? Exactly. Exactly. And so he kind of always regretted the animated series and considered it to be apocryphal, like Mm -hmm. a like fan film just by people that he used to work with. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Right. So he sort of decanonized it because he's Roddenberry and he can do that kind of stuff. Um, Well, he dies back in the back in the 90s. I want to say it was uh, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. Uh, Star Trek dot com re-added the animated series to its list of Mm -hmm. official Star Trek series in 2006. So there was no like official announcement of like we're making it canon again. But they kind of did when they did that. Um, And oh, by the way, several, several future series, including future movies, reference lots of things that happen throughout the course of the animated series, but none more so than the episode we're talking about today. I there were it. lots of things and and yeah i mean that that's something i thought about like when i was watching this i'm like this this kind of gives a lot of details not only about vulcans but right about spock in particular yeah. and yeah. so i'm like i had that thought going through here it's like if this is all considered canon like that i mean that adds a lot to the story a lot of it pulled and you know what here's what happened was is you get a lot of the future writers of star trek who watched the animated series mm-hmm. and they just look for little things to pull in and because they're writing official canon they canonize certain elements sure of the animated series so uh for some people they say none of the original animated series is canon except for this episode kind of i think what the general consensus is with most people is the animated series is canon except for where it conflicts with other live action series sure. like they take precedence yeah now that's not hard to believe because or that's not a hard thing i think for people to grasp because mm-hmm. live action series contradicts former li- live action series as well throughout <laughs> the history of star trek yeah we just talk about retconning then that's kind of it, it just this is only it's essentially an what issue. they're doing yeah, it yeah. is yeah yeah it, it really is um but i mean like so a couple of things that uh that become i don't know what do you call what do you say uh, that become canon um things like amanda spock's mom mm-hmm. like her last name is grayson yeah this is the first time that that ever gets and i'm sorry if i'm i'm, I'm bringing up all your old stuff no, i just no. this is where this is um this it it's created here okay and it's later canonized in one of the movies and is talked about in one of the later series the name of the town that spock lives in shakara or something like that yeah. uh, that becomes canonized later of where they grew up um the the the, oh, the the name Healer mm-hmm. is canonized in the Vulcan Healer or so-and-so in another future mm-hmm. episode. Okay. That's a reference back to this. Um, the uh, You mentioned uh, you have seen the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you how much you actually remember of that episode, <laughs> but there's a, there is a scene where Spock is being bullied. Young Spock, as a student, is being bullied hmm. by other kids, which is a direct pull from this, this episode. episode. Yeah. I mean, direct pull from this episode, right? Yeah. Um, and then, also, obviously, this episode goes back and draws from as a touchstone point, which DC Fontana very much intended for. Uh, it, it it draws as a touchstone things like um, the idea that 
Spock struggles with his humanity, mm-hmm. with his half half human humanity, right? Yeah, and, and Spock just kind of shows that it started early, exactly, and that Spock did commit himself to the Vulcan way of life. Yeah, even though he still had issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And Sarek was very glad about that. And and there's there's lots of different things. Uh, the family shrine uh, that gets talked about. The vol- In fact, there's an there's an episode title called the Forge. For one of the future episodes that mm-hmm. goes back to the Vulcan Forge that is sure. referenced in this episode for the very first time. So there's lots of things about this particular episode uh, that that really are canonized later, even if you don't consider the um, show itself to be canon, though a lot of sure. people really do. You know, And, and honestly, I kind of wonder how many people have an easier time allowing this as canon because DC Fontana wrote it. Well, sure, sure. And, and just knowing that she had such a big part in all of the live action series, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I believe, like you said last time we talked about her, I think that she knows how to write Star Trek better than Gene Roddenberry. I think that's true. And I don't have a problem saying that. And, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, with that in mind, like, I mean, why wouldn't you accept this as canon? Sure. I, I, now, I don't know. Because it was if she, Dorothy, but... <laughs> I don't know if she wrote other uh, episodes of the animated series. Do you offhand? Um, so interesting story about that. No, this is the only episode of the animated series she wrote. Okay. Now uh-huh. there's a reason for that though. <laughs> all right. She, she was one of the main producers and story editors on the series. All right. Mm-hmm. But just as they were getting going when they, they had, they had actually pulled in a lot of their writers from the original series who had worked on the original series. They had a handful of new people. Well, right about the time they go into production on all these and start writing scripts, guess what happens? The Writers Guild goes on strike, <laughs> right? But there was a there was like a loophole. There was a caveat. Writers could write one. They were allowed to write one episode of animation. They couldn't do any live action film, but they could write one episode of animation without having to join their guild. Huh. Okay. And I think that's still true of like act like you can be in like a commercial, but as soon as you're in two, you have to join the the Screen Actors Guild or something like that. Interesting. Like there, there's some weird rule like that, but it kind of works like that, I guess, for the Writers Guild too. Like so they could do one animated version without having to join that guild. So mm-hmm. they could they could actually work a little bit. They could write without violating union rules that were on strike. Hmm. So what happened was everyone basically wrote an episode. <laughs> one. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like so I now I as I was listening to that story, I got the feeling like at some point the strike was over and that people may have snuck in a second one towards the end. I'm not really sure. I didn't go back and check the writers for every single episode to see if anybody had a double yeah. episode. But I do know that this was Dorothy's uh only uh script credit for the animated series. Fair enough. As I said, my notes are all over the place with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's hear. What else about that? Uh, the mantra. Okay, let's talk about the while we're talking about the writers. Um, because they're now having to write an animated cartoon. They're also having to do it in 22 minutes, mm-hmm. which was a lot different. Um, the, DC Fontana talked about how the – you remember the Andorian um, first officer in the mm-hmm. alternate timeline? Thielen, yep. I think was his name. Uh, she had had thoughts of like, well, what happened to him and what's going on with him? And she's like, if I had more time, I would have loved to explore that. 
Yeah. But she just didn't. So that, you know, they they were feeling the crunch. They said it was still Star Trek, though. And their mantra was they weren't writing a cartoon. They were writing Star Trek. And as such, they packed a lot of story into each every ep- each and every episode. They still had moral tales, um, but they were able to do things they never could. So as a writer, it was really nice uh, mm-hmm. to have that. Um one of the other things, uh, just on a, a production note, because the original series was a Saturday morning cartoon, it was directed at kids, mm-hmm. um, there was a thought to do all of the characters as kid episodes, like to give each one of them a, a kid episode, right? Roddenberry nixed that idea, though. Yeah. That's when he pulled in his his executive consultant thing and said, no. But this one was the only one that made it, mm-hmm. that he he kind of gave the the green light uh, to, to go ahead and do. So, um that's thanks to Mr. Gene Roddenberry. Um, what else? What else? What else to tell you before we get into everything? Um, uh, I can save that one. I can save that one. Uh, let's. Oh, this was the the animated series was the very first Star Trek episode. And it wasn't this episode. It was one of the other ones that won an Emmy. The original series never won an Emmy. Hmm. Right. So this was the first one. So even though it's it's the animated series is a little panned. It's a little. Is it real? Is it not? Is it really Trek? Is it whatever? Um, you know, it certainly has its its place in uh, uh, Star Trek history. I mentioned all the original actors returned. Um, when they did bring back all of the original actors and got them together in one room, uh, mm-hmm. typically they would actually just record all their voices separate, okay? But they did bring them back, and they all did the voices together for the first three episodes. This was one of them. Um after that, they you know they kind of went on like William Shatner was doing like he was on tour doing theater he was like on tour so he recorded his lines with a tape recorder in his hotel room, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, but like people like Nichelle Nichols, James Doohan, uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry as she would be now known, um, they were kind of around. So those three particularly did a lot of the extra voices. For example, in this episode, the guardian, the voice of the guardian of forever mm-hmm. was James Doohan. Remember James Doohan played Scotty, mm-hmm. in case in case you don't remember that. Also, um, James Doohan originally was supposed to be the voice of Sarek in this episode. That he had recorded the weird. lines. One of the first things you do in animation is you have to record the lines first because they match the, the, the animation to the voices. Sure. Well, the reason uh, he was doing that was because Mark Leonard wasn't available. Well, as they started wrapping production on this episode, Mark Leonard suddenly became available. I guess he had a few minutes. And they were able to bring him in and he looped over all of James Doohan's lines <laughs> into his voice. And, you know, rightly so. It was his character, right? They were never able to get Jane Wyatt, who played Amanda. Mm-hmm. So the voice of Amanda in this particular episode is Majel Barrett, Majel oh. Barrett Roddenberry. That's the voice of, of Amanda. Um, so there's a couple things there. Uh, I think that's really going to be it, uh, Matt. And I'm, if anything comes up over the course of our conversation, I'll, I'll go back to it. Sure. Um, again, I, I apologize for how scattered this opening piece is. This has just been pulling all these different stories from different places and didn't really know how to form it together. So, uh, Matt, why don't I stop talking for a while? Okay. And I'll turn it over to you. Take us through the episode. <laughs> What'd you think? What'd you, you know, what stood out to you? What questions do you have that I may dodge or not? I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we, I mean, I, I will say the first thing I noted was the opening credits only had the three names. It mm-hmm. had three names of the trio. And right. so my first thought was, is that all they could get? Mm. But, like, I mean... I, I think part of it was that's all they really needed for this episode. I mean, there was there was a bit of Scotty in there, and then like said he did some other voices and right. stuff. But 
that that was my very first thought was like that was this project too far removed from the original yeah that that they couldn't bring everybody back people didn't want to at that point yeah no with with that um if you remember in the in the original series that's how the opening credits went it was just the three main characters everybody else was in the post characters and the way they did tv at the time they didn't do opening credits so you had to be a major major person in the show basically the show's star to get your name in the opening credits sure so that's that's really but because the the opening the original series did it i mean you notice they tried to mimic the original series as best they could they they, they did try they did try (laughs) (laughs) i Uh, think i still like the original better no problem no problem um, yes you should by the way yes yeah anyway i as for this story in particular Mm -hmm. it i I, I hate bringing up other series again. Sure. I, I, outside of Trek, but this is, in my mind, is what would happen if Harry Potter went wrong. Okay. Right. Because this, it, it just feels like there's time travel involved, mm-hmm. and they messed it up. Mm-hmm. Which is something. I, I mean, obviously, we see that in other other places. Sure. But the series I'm most familiar with with Harry Potter is like he always mm-hmm. gets it right. Right. He he always does it. And and it's it, it's that same thing. It's where he goes back and saves himself. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that's why I'm making that connection there. Sure. Except obviously here in 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 Star Trek they Spock messed it up without mm-hmm. knowing that he messed it up. Right. Which is, once again is really weird to think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's so much of those things where I say <laughs> The point of this story was to go back and explore Spock as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really, by the way, the the moral of the lesson, this really was, this was less about exploring Spock and more about, hey, let's talk about euthanasia for kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's ultimately where the episode gets to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted, you know, DC Fontana especially wanted to do that story for kids. Um, NBC didn't like it at the time. They really <laughs> wanted her to change the ending. Gene actually stepped in and said, no, 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 trust Dorothy. And so they did and they didn't get one letter of complaint so she's like obviously we handled it well uh because they did want to talk about that with kids but uh, you know this still was a like all of that stuff and in this episode in particular and you look how fast they kind of came through like oh we're back oh we changed something oh hey let's just accept that this is true and Mm -hmm. oh well it must have been this and this really weird like oh well yeah i remember when this thing happened but i guess that was supposed to be me and while i was out doing this other thing it's it's just this weird stuff that doesn't make but, sense. but as a cartoon, I didn't really have a problem with that. Okay, like I, 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 I think the fact that it is animated gives them more leeway than they would have sure. if they tried to do the same story in live action. Right. Well, you take it less seriously, right? A little bit. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I'm okay. I'll jump way ahead to the sure. very last note I made of this, and you've kind of covered it already. But like. It's coming around again and again. It's like Uh the content in this episode, it it actually, to me, felt too heavy for a Mm. cartoon. Yeah. But it was very fitting for Star Trek. Sure. And 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 like you kind of pointed that out. It's like they, they, they... Weren't, they didn't want it to be a cartoon. They wanted to do Star Trek. They and I think they, Trek, right. they did that very well. Right. And by the way, just for whatever it's worth, um, another podcast had pointed this out, and, and I thought it was great. The title of this series is not Star Trek the Animated Series. It's just Star Trek. 
Okay. Just like the original series, what we like mm-hmm. the original series mm-hmm. wasn't titled Star Trek the original series. That's a title we as a fandom have given to it later. Yeah, cuz we delineate. have to differentiate. Right. Yep. Same thing with the animated series. Like that was never it wasn't Star Trek the animated series, it was just Star Trek. You mean the original series? No, the animated series. Well, yeah, yeah. It was just Star Trek. Like so you had yeah. Star Trek and then you had Star Trek. Like and and that was their thing was this mm-hmm. is Star Trek and this is the yep. way the writers want to write it and this is what they want to tell. Even though Gene was like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure, do whatever. <laughs> I don't care. You know? But yeah. All right. Um all right. Just so jumping back to the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. here. Do it, I'm pretty sure it's not explained in this episode. Maybe it's a recurring character throughout the, the animated series. Uh-huh. But do we have any idea what this big yellow bird creature is? Nope. That well, Yes, we do. That is uh, because we now have – we can do things in animation that we can't do in real life. We okay. can have more aliens as part of the crew and people that sure, interact with. Sure, And that's it. That's, it, that's it's all it is. Another alien yep. race. Yep, because right. we have the ability to do it now. That's it. All right. Mm-hmm. If we can draw it, we can have it. Got yes. it. Um, you, you you already answered this question as well. Uh, okay. the the time portal thing that they went uh-huh. through. Th- this is the same one that we've seen before. This is the same one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, it it came back. What do you know? Hey, listen, and you know, Matt, I tried to go back and pull these clips from previous episodes that we've done, uh-huh. where you're like, yeah, well, I don't think we're ever going to visit the Guardian of <laughs> Forever, and I just kind of went, uh huh, sure, all right. I'll make sure we do. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then like I said, they, they, they dove right into their story and, uh-huh. and obviously had to for time constraints, but yeah. I didn't have a problem with that. I, I, I like yeah. getting right into the meat of things. So you kind of, I mean, it's that, and that's what I mean where I say, I can't critique this episode too much because they had to move so fast. Yeah. To get but in I, and... I think, I think they did it well. It, it's, yeah. I mean, so for maybe maybe for an adult coming from a, a very critical standpoint mm-hmm. is going to tear it apart. Mm-hmm. Sure, I could see that. But from an entertainment perspective, mm-hmm. and given that it is a cartoon, it is it honestly is intended for kids, whether they they admit to it or not. Right. Like it, it's it, it, like I said, it was played on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. What what is that audience? It's kids. Yeah. And so. Given all of those things, I think it, it was done very well. Mm. I really do. I, I have no problems with with how that was handled, even just from this one yeah. episode. So, well, I mean, you you opened up this whole show by saying you watch this one episode and you kind of want to go watch the others. Mm-hmm. To which I'll say, there's there's what like twenty three of them or something like that. Like, yeah, I can. You you could binge, grind through I mean, those in a day or two. Yeah, like you can binge that real <laughs> quick if you if you want to. Right? I wouldn't, but have at it, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what I have time for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Kirk and I believe it, well, Kirk and Spock come back. Sure. Along with some, I think some random redshirt guy yep. from Orion, mm-hmm. of all places. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I've heard of that. Right. What are you doing there? Let, let, let's go there. Let's f- find out what's uh-huh. going on. Nope, nope. That's not the story. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, and I, I kind of... Uh, wish I had thought a little bit more about it mm-hmm. as to when they, they did come back and this mysterious first officer popped up mm-hmm. and I'm like, hmm, unknown race, huh? Mm-hmm. And like the more I looked at it, it's like, and then when they finally said Andorian, I'm like, oh yeah, I've, I've seen him before. Uh-huh. Okay. Maybe not the specific person, but like I've seen this race before. Mm-hmm. I should have known that. There you go. It's like they they they, they drew it with the little I don't, I, antenna the or antenna, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are have up there, 
it's like I I'm glad to see that there are familiarities throughout the series and hopefully I'll be able to pick up on more of them one day. <laughs> sure. No, you will. It, it, because this episode, um, I mean, Matt, so quite, quite obviously watching journey to Babel, even if we didn't do this episode, we would have watched journey to Babel, mm-hmm. but this is, I mean, this is obviously like a, like a sequel to that episode. Sure. And, and in some cases is a sequel and a prequel and in, in the exact same <laughs> time, right? It, it, it fills in all the gaps. A lot of them, yeah. It, no, it really does. Oh, by the way, remember when you said earlier, like, hey, I guess we're never going to visit the Guardian again? You also said about the pet Salot, like, man, I yep. guess we're never really going to see him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, if you go back and listen to that episode, I was like, I'm turning my head now and looking away yeah. to take a drink. Yeah. Because there he is. Not, not at all what I pictured, by the way. No, no, it no. wasn't It wasn't what I pictured either. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just it's the animated series, man. Mm-hmm. They can do that. <laughs> they yeah. can do that. Yep. All right, so we're gonna hit my one tech complaint. Uh oh, I, 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 I've ripped this to shreds uh, in the original series. I know, and I thought they had it figured out, Uh-oh. and then they reverted in the animated series, which, where in theory they should have even more freedom, as we were talking about, right? Uh-huh. I just randomly in the middle of his speech, Kirk stops and presses the button and says, "Kirk here." And <laughs> what? <laughs> Like there was, there was no light, no sound, no nothing to say. Hey, you have a message incoming. Mm. He, he just like stops what he's doing and presses the button. Kirk here. I'm how what? <laughs> hey, I'm so, like seriously. You you don't have this figured out by now? Yeah. You, you're like what five, six, seven years past the original launch of Star Trek, and mm, little little details. Little details. Oh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of these little details. Like there, and some of it just comes from the animation, the the filmation, because they were going so fast. Like one of them. One of them is something as simple as like the phaser that Captain Kirk had in his hand for an episode. Yeah. Um, like it's a gray body with like black highlights. Well, mm-hmm. they swapped the colors, and so it was a black <laughs> body with gray highlights. It's little things yeah. like that, you know. But you see, even that, I don't think would bother me as much. Oh, really? Yeah. You just you need the beep. You need the you need the something. I, Seriously, like there, there is zero signal to say, "Hey, there's uh-huh. a, 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 someone trying to communicate with you here." Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, all I'm asking for is just a little beep or a little light or something. Yeah, well, that, that's I, all it has to be. I, I wish I could say that I know for sure that this will be fixed. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about the way communication systems work on a future episode uh, in a future series. Okay. Um, but it's not the same complaint you have now. So sure, wonderful. Mm-hmm. I can complain more. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> all right, but then yeah, we 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 started popping up with all this Vulcan stuff and I, I, I was very happy to see names and faces that I knew. Yeah. You know, we we, we had uh I'm gonna blank on him now. Mm-hmm. Sarek and yep. Sarek and Amanda. Yep. Amanda and, Grayson. Yeah, Amanda Grayson. Yeah. I well like I noted I'm like, I don't I don't think we ever got a last name before, but no. I'll run with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, given that I was watching a cartoon and they said Grayson. The fr- the only thing I can think of is Dick Grayson, and I'm like, uh, that's the wrong series, <laughs> huh? Okay, right. In any case, um, yeah, they, they Spock kind of jumped into this. Well, it, it, actually, no, it wasn't necessarily Spock at first. It was we're getting this new timeline, which you know they fished out of nowhere. 
but yeah, uh, yeah. His, his, basically Spock died at age seven. Parents split. Mother was killed returning to Earth. All right, cool, whatever. Uh, and then Spock kind of gives us his his little history of you know yeah the the Kazvan mm-hmm. or whatever it was. It's it's interesting to me how many like ceremonies the Vulcans seem to have. They have a lot of ceremonies. They stand yeah. a lot on ceremony. Yeah. 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 And I guess, well, actually, no, maybe I don't know about this. But mm-hmm. Is it strange that Spock as a Vulcan has left the planet Vulcan? Yes. Well, I mean, the Vulcans are a seafaring race or not okay. seafaring, a spacefaring race. Yeah. So, you know, and they are part of the larger universe community because what what i'm thinking is like we we always see these things from spock's point of view obviously right because he he's the vulcan we know he's the vulcan we're following around space but like the one when he was growing up okay Mm -hmm. he he, he's still there living with seven years old he he's should be on his home planet with his parents you know okay Mm -hmm. there's one ceremony but then like the uh i i'm not gonna remember the name of the other ceremony we know um ponfar yeah well that's not uh, a ceremony that's a medical condition but yes sure the the, the marriage ceremony sure. and everything that comes back yes sure. yeah, yeah yeah um yeah he has to go back for that and, and it's like how many of these other you know ceremonies and stuff are we going to run into where he needs to return vulcan and, yeah, there's and, and few. <laughs> like so that, i mean that that's kind of what make, yeah. makes me wonder it's like is it just rare that a Vulcan leaves the planet that he, you know, continually has to keep coming back, mm-hmm. whereas everybody else just lives on Vulcan their entire lives? And so it's like, okay, yeah, we deal with these things, but we're always on Vulcan, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I would. This kind of gets established with uh, later, but Vulcans live really long lives, like okay. really long lives. So the idea that they would have various seasons to their life. You know, like, hey, I'm going to go serve in Starfleet for a while, Mm -hmm. but, you know, yeah, I'm going to be there for 40 years, but that's, I mean, that's a pretty good career, 40 years. They still have a couple hundred years left of life, so they Mm -hmm. go do something else for a while, and they go, so the idea that they, that a Vulcan might leave for a while and have a career and then have a whole other segment of their life where they come back later in life, it's not unheard of in the Star Trek universe, particularly for this race, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there, I mean, there's a few other rituals and things that have to happen uh, at Vulcan or in one of their shrines or something like that. And we'll explore that as the series continue. Um, but I've never thought about how often they just have to return to Vulcan. I always get the impression, though, being part of the larger world community, it's not that big of a deal to go home. You know, like if you remember in uh, uh, Amok Time, the Ponfar episode, like Spock was like, Captain, I got to go home. And like Kirk just gave him a lot of crap about going home. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't say that happens to most people like they say, hey, I need to go back to Vulcan now. Like, OK, go go to Vulcan. then. <laughs> like, hey, I need to go to London for some reason. OK, yeah. well, go get your ticket and go to London. <laughs> then You know, you, you can do it. It's not hard. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Spock figures out what's going on right mm-hmm. logically he, he he can he can figure it out he has very faint memories that mm-hmm. that to me honestly was one of the big, the biggest stretches i agree that i agree s- w- 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 in which direction 
I, I, the idea that Spock would have faint memories as a child, like, I guess we could all relate to that, but I'm like, so, so you no. think he should have no memory of that? No, I know. I think he should have a much clearer memory of that. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. For, for something that seemed to be such a, a big event in his life. Right. You know, and then compiling that with who we know Spock to be. Mm-hmm. And how his mind works, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have expected him to have a very clear memory of it. It, 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 but I mean, and it was one of those things like the way they used it, and this might even be a criticism of, of DC Fontana's script, like the way they used that that sub that sub point, I guess. Of yeah, look, he was really young; he only kind of halfway remembers what happened. Um, like it wasn't like we saw Spock reliving what he the parts that he'd forgotten mm-hmm. it wasn't like there was oh yeah i forgot about that and turns out that changes everything there was never any of that it was oh yeah okay i kind of don't remember it but now i do i sort of remember this okay it's out there and then like the whole thing happens with the with Ichaya, and he's like oh this didn't happen before this is a new timeline so now mm-hmm. we're in a whole new timeline you know well, well we, we, we did get that a little bit i think when he 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 was sitting there trying to figure out because he knew the date that it was supposed to happen. Uh-huh. And so he went back to that right before that date. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, you know, wait, why isn't this happening tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Why, you, it, it's a month from now. It's like, oh, no, it's supposed to happen tomorrow. Right. And, and so, like, we got that little bit of, you know, that this is how it's supposed to be happening. Why isn't it? Like, and he he did have to figure that out a little bit, and then kind of, I they didn't explicitly say it really, right? But he kind of followed through with, oh yeah, I'm gonna sneak out tonight, like right. But see, that he part kind of was... logic did. It. It's like this is what I would do, right? And that's all fine. My problem is, is it was inconsequential to the what episode. Was? The the idea that oh wait, oh wait, this wait, this is supposed to happen in a couple weeks, but I remember the date is happening like tomorrow. What in the world? Oh yeah, that's when I. That's when I sneak out like that. He didn't need that in order to move the plot forward. Well, they, they, you know they, I mean? need, they but he would have had no reason to sneak out if it wasn't for the eh, ceremony coming right. up in a month. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I guess I guess old Spock would have just been like, yeah, I'm going to bed tonight and we'll go out tomorrow. And <laughs> turns out he actually snuck out. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, OK, OK, I, I can go with you on that. Yeah, I think they needed motivation for him to sneak out, even if it wasn't the actual thing. Because mm-hmm. um, if it was just the actual ceremony, I think that would there would have been a bigger deal put up about that. But see, I mean, that's that's even so weird. Like, why did he? But why was it a thing that he couldn't remember it though? You know, like because yeah. that whole plot point, like he yeah. very easily could. I mean, and, and, and could that, have and remembered it and been. That, that, in that's the same what I'm spot. saying. I, I think that's why I have the biggest problem with that part of it. It's like he yeah. he should have had a clearer memory of what happened. Right. And it's and I think that that might even No, I'm going to not say that it's okay cuz I'm going to go back to my original statement of it was inconsequential. <laughs> like bringing this whole thing up was ultimately inconsequential. Like, you know, the 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 payoff of having it in there was so small compared to what they used to set it up, you know? Yeah. And I may be making a bigger deal out of that than I ought, but whatever. It's the animated <laughs> series, Matt. All right. Uh, along with that, I'm going to give you a few just minor notes I made. Okay. It's weird to see the characters running. Like and I thought, animation or is it just weird to see them running in general? In general. Okay. And and I I thought about it a little bit. And like I think the only reason – I'm because we don't really see them run 
in in the live action series. <laughs> you you say that the only one that I remember, I'm sorry to cut you off, is if you go back to the Gorn episode, mm-hmm. there's that one there's that one shot where Kirk is running like like a drunken man across the yep. minefield that's blowing <laughs> up and you're like, What yep. are you doing? But yeah, as you say that, outside of that one scene, I I don't remember them running really any other Well time. and and I think a big part of it is they have to work with sets. And so if sure. they're on a ship in a hallway, that hallway in reality is what, 10, 20 feet long? Mm-hmm. Are, what, what are they going to say? All right, you stand down there and now sprint down the hallway and we'll film that and then we'll go to the next scene. Right. Like, no, no, they're not, they're not going to do that. So the, the biggest chance they have is, yeah, when they're down on a planet. But even then, most of the time they're working with a set. Uh-huh. And so they, they have very limited room in which to move. So, I mean, if you start running, you get three steps in and it, it, then it just doesn't look good, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I here, like still, they only ran a couple of steps at a time, but you could definitely tell they were running. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we, we just don't really see them run very much. Hmm. It, it's kind of weird. Interesting observation, Matt. Yep. It, I, like I said, little minor detail, but mm-hmm. it's there. Uh Spock making his personal logs. Okay. He every time he gives a star date, a specific star date, uh-huh. and then says subjective time. Sure. And maybe he meant something else by this. Mm-hmm. But every time he said that, I'm thinking he he just thinks time is subjective or he just made up a time for this log because he doesn't really know what time it is or what's going on or like it, it just kind of felt like why are you even giving it a time if you're noting that it's subjective? Right. Yeah, I, that one bugged me a little bit too because I didn't know when he says subjective time, does he mean this alternate timeline that he's in? It's the start date of that timeline or it's the start date of what it would be if it was his timeline mm-hmm. regardless. Like, like, I didn't know which one he was going with. I, I, I still yeah, don't yeah. know Yeah, like if, if he would have said, like, universal time or something. Right. My like time. That, or... Yeah, that, that would have made a little more sense than subjective time. Because subjective to me, it just sounds like I'm making this up. Right. So, yeah, like, the, the only thing I can think of is because he was making multiple entries, mm-hmm. like, you could order the entries by the star dates he was giving – and he was just letting you know, yeah, these are subjective. I'm just making up these numbers, but I will at least make them consecutive for you, right? Within whatever time frame I'm I'm in. Yeah, I guess. I mean, or was it the? Yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. So we got down to the planet, and we get some some nice shots of what's going on. A little mm-hmm. more than we usually do because once again, they don't have to work with the set. The right, and by the way, just there was a note about this. Like the way they did, they they built out the world of Vulcan a mm-hmm. little bit. They were never able to like return to that live action and have that kind of detail yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because it, you know, again, what you can do here is not what you can necessarily do there. So, uh, yeah, which I found weird because they use matte paintings a lot, which is basically just go paint whatever you want us to believe that we're in and you could do that. And then eventually obviously we moved to computer animation uh, or, or computer um, graphics and stuff. So I don't know why we never could, but that was a note that they, that they found was they had a hard time returning to Vulcan hmm. uh, or at least showing it to the detail and expanses they did in this particular episode. Sure. Uh, so when we were down there though, like we got as soon as this little like spaceship flew by on mm-hmm. the planet, like, all I could think about was the Jetsons. <laughs> right. It, it, like, I got this Jetsons vibe. I'm like, 
oh, is, is this what they're going for mm-hmm. here? Is this is this right. the kind of world that that Vulcan is? is like, but I, obviously we didn't get a whole whole lot of, uh, I guess, within the city shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we we got a few instances here and there, but it's definitely not not Jetsons esque anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we see Spock being bullied for being half human. Oh, poor Spock. Yeah, his dad is as logical and dry as ever. Like yeah. his speech pattern. Like I mean, it, it, it's exactly what I expect from Vulcan, though. Sure. Like. like Spock's father is hands down like the epitome of being a Vulcan. Right. And I, I, I mean that. Well, he's the most Vulcan Vulcan we've ever met, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think he is. And, and I, I think that this episode kind of, I, 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 here, here, here's that Star Trek feel that I, that I talked about before mm-hmm. where sometimes they even uh, exaggerate certain traits and characteristics of certain characters mm-hmm. even more so than usual just to drive their point point across sure and i found that here with spock's parents mm-hmm. it's like we, we already kind of knew what they were like but i felt that his father was even kind of more strict and more just straightforward and i mean i use the word dry because his speech was just dry mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then then we get you know the opposite with his mother and you know kind of lively and and hopeful and mm-hmm. emotional right <laughs> and that's they, they use that because it was all about you know teaching spock young spock Mm-hmm. And and allowing him to make these decisions, you know, which path do you want to follow? So they really drove it home. It's like these two paths are very different. Until, of uh-huh. course, we we we, <laughs> we 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 get a couple of quotes that are gold, especially for how 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 you have explained Falcons to me. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll just jump into them now. Uh, this Vul- episode's hard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vulcans do not lack emotion. It's only that ours is controlled. Logic offers a serenity humans seldom experience in full. Right. We have emotions and deal with them and do not let them control us. Like, I okay, we kind of said DC Fontana is the queen of all things Vulcan. Sure. Like, she has expanded the Vulcan universe more than any other writer. She knows Vulcans inside and out. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's sitting here writing this, yeah, like that. That hands down. I mean, I you can argue if this episode is canon or not, but that's it. That that yeah. that this clear and dry right there. Mm-hmm. Vulcans do not lack emotion. Right. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it just it flows so perfectly into what we've talked about before, and like they just bottle it up. They 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 suppress it. They. I mean, the words he uses here is control. Mm-hmm. They control it um, and do not let emotions control them. But however you want to look at now, it. I would, now, I would push back a little bit and go, but do they really? Like, really? <laughs> really? Uh, like, that might be what they think they do. Do you really? His father does. Does he really? Does he? Uh, 99.9%. <laughs> I don't know. Because there are some things. I mean, like, like I, I look at the way that Sarek is interacting with young Spock. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, there's times where I go... 
the the brevity with which the conversation takes place has to be so because of the format of the animation, the time constraints of the episode. They got to move on. They can't spend a lot of time letting the conversation develop, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I sit back and hear what he actually is saying, and I'm going, I so don't want to be that kind of father to my children. Yeah, I just, I just don't like. He's sitting here saying, uh, "Okay, so you're gonna have to go do this thing." And you're not allowed to fail because people make fun of you if they do. And his kid goes, okay, dad, but what if I do? And he's like, don't even worry about it. You're not going to let me down. (laughs) I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah. No pressure. Like, whoa. You know, and and then you fast forward to the end and, and, you know, young Spock's all like, well, I chose to let him die because I'm going to, you know, commit myself to the Vulcan way. And he's like, okay, so that's your choice. That's acceptable. Okay. Right. Like, (laughs) give him a hug, maybe. Like... (laughs) You said you have emotion. It's just controlled. Well, there's uh-huh. nothing uncontrolled about giving your kid a hug. Like, come on, man. Um, it, it just it's so blah to me. But I mean, it's it, it's I suppose it's what Vulcans are supposed to be or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's weird. It's weird. I get you sure. though. I get you. Yeah. But yeah, the, 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 this this test, this maturity test that uh-huh. he's supposed to go. Through. I'm sorry. Before you go on, before you go on, just because you're kind of yep. in this vein, before you move on to that. Uh, speaking about the Vulcans and how they act and how they respond, and you're talking about how Sarek delivers his lines versus how Amanda delivers hers, or mm-hmm. Mark Leonard versus Major Barrett in this particular case. Uh, the character of Spock, though, young Spock, baby Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the way that those lines were being delivered? How did that how did that strike you? I mean honestly it was kind of right down the middle. Was it? Like I okay. if 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 it, if it was skewed one direction it was skewed human I think. Okay. So and, the Oh, oh, go ahead. Because I, I, I like I think, but that's part of the reason like he was getting bullied, right? Because uh-huh. he he let that human side come through a little bit too much. Sure. But I, I like like I think in the beginning of the episode in particular, we we kind of got that split, and a little more towards the end when he was explaining, you know, in uh, what happened with his pet and everything, like you started to see a little bit of transition because mm-hmm. it's like, this is the path I have chosen. Mm-hmm. So I have to start acting more like this. Right. But because he's yeah. struggling with that choice. Yeah. Know? And Spock, yeah, I mean, Spock he's still often learning. struggles with this choice. Um, the, I mean, the way it came off to me, quite honestly, was, man, this is just bad acting. This is bad voice <laughs> acting is the way it originally came off to me. And I've always thought that for the number of times that I've seen this episode, I was just like, okay, father, where are we going to? But please, can we go over there? Like, it just never like sounded whatever to me. And then I read this. The young man who did the voice of young Spock, his name was Billy Simpson, and he talks about how much trouble he had doing this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was a, he was a, a voice actor, a child voice actor of the day that did fairly well. Um, but because he was trying to imitate the adult nature of the way that Leonard Nimoy spoke with the cadence of Spock, and he had such trouble imitating it. Yeah. But the the reason that the directors liked it was because they felt that it showed something that just never rang true. Because it, Spock is a, at his core, Spock is a conflicted character. Does he want to be sure. human? Does he want to be Vulcan? Is he even Vulcan? Is he really even human? Well, he doesn't really want to be human. He's got his father. Every young man wants to please their father, right? Like, mm-hmm. they love their mother, but, you know, I want to make my dad proud. Like, I think that's that's something that's built into people. It's an emotion. Uh, at least it is for me and people where I come from. I don't know about you, Matt. Um, <laughs> but it, it was it became this deal of... 
we see young Spock at a crossroads in his life of where is he going to be. And to have it not be smooth, to have it be real choppy with the way he is speaking, to have it not sound natural was actually like a, a creative decision on the part of the of the filmmakers. Sure. Which understanding that and kind of understanding where Spock was, I go, wow, that's not bad. I mean, it might have been bad acting, but it works. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, it, it might have just been hard acting on the part of the child. I, I don't want to I don't mean to belittle a child actor who's <laughs> struggling like it just, you know, uh, but I don't know. It works. And I actually I think I appreciate it more now than I ever have before. Sure. So anyway, little little note on that. So uh, you were moving on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the ceremony that they, they were planning for, they explained it as. You need to survive for 10 days without food, water, or weapon. Yeah, I I think that means without taking anything with you. That like that that's what I'm hoping for. Like yeah. okay, uh, Vulcans that's what I are, always interpreted. Are, yeah. are, are are different than humans. Maybe you can last longer without food or water. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, like that that's that's what I was hoping they were leaning towards. It's yeah. like, okay, we're going to send you out with nothing. And you have to survive and, you know, find a way to, you know, find your own water, find your own food, find, mm-hmm. make your own weapons to, you know, kill your food, whatever. It, like, it, even so, like 10 days without food, water, or weapon, like if you don't figure something out in the first day or two, like you're dead. You're yeah. I mean, you're done. so you're done. like, I mean, the fact that they extend it to 10 days, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how extensively anyone actually thought through this when you know dc fontana wrote it mm-hmm. that and said you know is that a little bit too long is that long enough like are, are, are we writing this by human standards or is this strictly a vulcan thing like yeah i like it just stood out to me mm-hmm. as something that actually seems quite harsh and like i especially when you i, I just realized they're sending a seven-year-old yeah, but seven-year-old Vulcan's different than a seven-year-old human. So is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things. I just you hear of tribes where that's what they do. Like their rite of passage into manhood, their bar mitzvah, their whatever. Um. Maybe usually happens a little bit older than seven. But yeah. is the okay? You got to go survive. Ten days seems a little long. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But for three days, you have to go survive on your own. And we're not giving you anything to take. Yeah, you got to figure it out on your own. Go survive. And if you come back and you're still alive, good on you. You're a man now. Yeah, and you're. You know, uh, th- I do like the explanation they gave later for why they do this. Um, it wasn't so much a test of manhood as much as it was a uh, hey, we could get flabby, fat, and lazy just using logic all day long. So we have to maintain our our physique somehow. <laughs> sure, our prowess somehow. Like, uh, okay, interesting, but <laughs> cool, I guess. Yeah. Glad I didn't grow up in your spot. <laughs> I think the Spartans used to do that, Matt. Maybe like the uh, yeah, I don't know. My my kids study in ancient Greece right now, and I think I think that was a thing for the Spartans. Like they had to go out for a certain number of time, a certain number of days, and if you got killed, you got killed. If you came back, mm-hmm. welcome back. Survival of the fittest, right? Right. Anyway, uh, we got to meet Achaya. Yeah. Who? Yeah, yeah. That's the pet sailor, and. It, as I said earlier, it's not not quite what I pictured. 
because uh-huh. this this was this is basically a bear with fangs. Uh huh. And when it was bear, described right? the first time, yes, it was described as a teddy bear. Right. A teddy bear is something you can hug and sleep with in your bed. Mm-hmm. Like that, they can still be sizable, but mm-hmm. this was a full grown bear. Like <laughs> young Spock was sleeping on this thing. Uh huh. It was his bed. <laughs> like. I, yeah, it's it's not not what I pictured at all. I mean, it, it's just. I mean, I guess it it didn't necessarily have to be cute and cuddly, mm-hmm. but the fact that they described it as a teddy bear the first the first time I heard about it, at least well, he was cute and cuddly, wasn't he, Matt? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had a gentle side to him, I guess, but uh-huh. just based on the size, I mean, nah, he's just a big old teddy bear. Right, and right. then you go, yeah, but on Vulcan, teddy bears are huge and have six-inch mm-hmm. fangs. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that that came back around. Sure. Um, we learn a little bit about their version of time travel again. Like it, it's apparently okay to not only see yourself but interact with yourself. Right. And that doesn't mess things up. Like that. That I I would say. I, just guessing nine times out of 10 when people do time travel, uh-huh. that's like rule number one. Sure. Is like avoid yourself. Right. And like. It, to which, to which I'll, I'll just remind people I don't just subscribe to. Yes. In my own personal <laughs> theory of time travel, but it is a mantra. It is a thing. Although in Spock's defense, he never identified himself as such. And he yeah. already knew that he himself was a part of history. So. Yes, but mm-hmm. it, although young Spock didn't know that was old Spock, right? Old Spock knew that was young Spock. Sure. And so, either way you look at it, like there was interaction between two sure. Spocks. Yeah. And yeah, I it just it feels kind of weird, kind of wrong, because as I as began the episode with, like when I compare it to Harry Potter, mm-hmm. the same thing kind of happened where Harry Potter went back and helped Harry Potter. Sure. But he never saw himself. He never interacted with himself directly. Mm-hmm. Like he figured out what was going on just as Spock did. Mm-hmm. But he still followed that rule, right? right? That that unwritten right. rule. And so like I, I, I guess I just have that in the back of my head. And it's like th- this feels wrong. But that's how they do it. And that's what I'm learning. Star Trek, it's loud. Listen, got it. You know, the other time that somebody went back in time and interacted with their younger self, Biff Tannen got the Gray Sports Almanac. <laughs> we all know how that one turned out. Uh-huh. And if you don't, where have you been? The movie's 25 years old. <laughs> Go watch it. It's Back to the Future 2. Yes. Um, Go back to Future 1 first. I, I, I did like the line that Old Spock gave Young Spock. Uh-huh. There is some human blood in my family line. Mm-hmm. It is not fatal. Right. I like that. <laughs> Acceptance of who you are as a person, right? It's not going to kill you, kid. Yeah, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And and there are are a few instances throughout the episode. Like, I think he even asked him once. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you know? I mean, not specifically about that, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, he mentioned something. And he's like, how do you know? And like, you just have to sit there and smile a little bit. It's like. I I know. Yeah, I know. I've been there before. Kid. I, I've been there. I can't. Before. I can't tell you exactly <laughs> right. how I know, but I know. Right. Yeah. That like the fact. Like when he, he asked him about the the Vulcan neck pinch. Uh huh. It's like, do you think I'll ever be able to do it as well as you? It's like, well, Probably. yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
and that that's you see that's weird to think about too when you let the characters interact like that it's like mm-hmm. spock literally taught himself how to do the vulcan neck pinch but if old spock spock taught young spock then how did old spock learn in the first place see this is where you get into that loop where it mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work because he always see that's what i mean he always always was a part of history right like i i don't believe in alternate timelines i just don't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It just if you go back and you're a part of history that's why I, I loved in um okay spoiler avengers endgame where they start talking about again if you haven't seen it it's biggest movie of the year <laughs> go see it uh, uh, for the year that it came out, because this is an evergreen show, it's whatever. Anyway, but they talk like they start talking about like, oh yeah, you can't go back in time, you can't talk to each other, and like, no, this isn't Back to the Future. That's not how this works. Now mm-hmm. they got themselves involved in some. Yeah, we got to go back and fix the timeline stuff anyway. But whatever. You're just if you're a part of history, you're a part of history, and you may be in your own causality loop, and that's okay if you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you go back and cause you to happen. I'm not saying you're your own father, but you know, you know what I mean. Like. Like that's that's fine as long as it's within the closed system of time. Yes, you know, and, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, but what kind of breaks that uh-huh. here is, is the beginning of this episode mm-hmm. where he messed it up, right? Right. So he he because he went back in time to a different location during the same time period where he was supposed to be over <laughs> here, right? Like he just disappeared out of yeah. out of that initial timeline. Yep, yep. And so like he wasn't there then, right? And oh, so, but he like, was protected by a time bubble because he was out of the. See, that's what yeah. I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. It's no, you either were or you weren't. And oh, by mm-hmm. the way, why did I have to go back now to save myself? Then I can time travel. I can go save myself anytime. So no, I'm not out of the timeline. I'm still here. You know who did it best? You know who did time traveling the absolute best out of anybody I've ever seen before in my life, Matt? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'd have have you ever seen that. this? You've not. I, 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 I've seen it. I just don't remember it that you well. You need to see this movie. Because they get to the end and they're like, oh, we need something. Oh, I'm going to go steal my dad's keys. And I'm going to hide them under this trash can. Like, I just got to remember after we're done to go steal my dad's keys and put them under this trash can. <laughs> you know, it's it's like they just set themselves up and they just talk their way through it of like, after we're done, I'm going to go do this. And then after we're done, I'm going to go do that. And they went to go do that. And it was uh-huh. it was just nice and clean. There was no alternate <laughs> anything. It just uh-huh. this is how history is going to happen because I say it is. Yeah. And I have the ability to time travel. And guess what? If I don't do it now, I'll do it in 30 minutes because I can time travel. Sure. Okay. So another little nitpicky thing. Uh-huh. Like, especially since like it's a cartoon. <laughs> Either if you're gonna include it, make a point of it. If you're otherwise just you're wasting time and money. Mm-hmm. Young Spock, uh, we find out Achaya has been poisoned. He's mm-hmm. got to run back, get help. He 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 runs, 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 mm-hmm. and there's this purple plant with these weird tendrils. tendrils? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like they, they show it once, and like, all right, he's gonna have to run through that. We're gonna ha- have have a little fight here, have some drama, and then you know, a couple shots later, he's like, all right, here he comes up the hill. And he runs through it, and it grabs him, mm-hmm. and he just shrugs it off and keeps running. Yep. I, what? Yep. What? What was that? Yep. <laughs> what, that 
No. Yeah. But like, like I'm pretty sure they even like cut to commercial there. Like it, it blacked out. I think. Oh, is that what it was? That, like, like I think there, there, there was a commercial uh, break right commercial there. Break. Yeah. But still, like, then you come back from the commercial and he should be like struggling with it. It's like right. As, right. anything, just. But no, like see, he just kind of like looked down at it uh-huh. and kept running. Right now, see that would have been a perfect spot, and this might be what Dorothy Vontana talks about. Just she didn't have time to explore like because so so his whole purpose in going out in the first place was to see if he could pass the cause one yeah right so maybe this experience with where like if, if he was to have to struggle a lot more with that thing and imagine like a whole sequence where he's struggling he's losing he's he has to figure out something in order to defeat this thing or to get loose or get free other than just i'm gonna shrug it off you know what well, I mean? I, I mean, and then it, that gives him the yes. I have what it takes to survive. Yes, I I, I get that. You and know what I'm saying? Five seconds. Yeah, five seconds is all you needed. Sure. They gave it one second, maybe. Like he he just really like looked down at it and ran. Yeah. If it, if it would have been oh no, it's got my arm, and I mean he could even give me a line like no, I try and needs me, and then rushes yeah. off. Like he any, finds it deep within anything. himself. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like just some, some little, yeah. little struggle. He, even if he didn't say anything and he, he just like grunted for two seconds before, you know, he was able to release his arm or whatever, or mm-hmm. like, I'm, okay. He didn't have any weapons by that point. Cause he had gone for all. Well, actually I didn't have no idea how long this is supposed to be. It felt like mm-hmm. two minutes. You'd been out running, but right. it's probably, probably supposed to be like, Oh, he'd been gone for an hour. Um, in any case, like whatever it was, like, just give me a little bit of struggle. Cause I saw it coming. They set it up very nicely. I mean, as nicely as any seventies cartoon is going to do. Sure. But like they, they set that up and he grabs him and then it's gone. It's like, like the, I, the animation was actually pretty poor at that point too, because I'm pretty sure it, it just like disappears from his arm. It doesn't like fall or anything. It just like disappears. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, wow. you, you, you could have done that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you five seconds is all it takes. You can't tell me they didn't have time for that. I, I will not try to tell you that. No. All right. Then I'll move I, on. I, I, cause I, I, you're right. I think you're a hundred percent right. And I, I'm not going to argue one way or against it at yep. all. So. Uh, but yeah, he, he gets to to the healer. Uh-huh. And w- once again, m- maybe as you say, maybe this was DC Fontana wanted to take it deeper and just didn't mm-hmm. have time. But the fact that the healer put up any kind of fight for this, they, they, they like, tried to write m- more of young Spock's backstory. Right. And it's like, I, I heard you have a tendency towards these practical jokes. Right. And Spock's like that. That was once two years ago, and I'm like, okay, once two years ago, and this adult character is saying that is a tendency towards practical jokes. Right. Really? I mean, I guess compared to other Vulcans, once is a lot, but you can't say it's a tendency if it was once. So that writing got to me a little bit too. And like I said, mm-hmm. maybe that was just you know she she wanted to go deeper, but they wouldn't let her. Wanted to go deeper, she didn't have time. Whatever the case may be. If if it was at that point where we can't go deeper with it, that then you let the kid explain his story, explain what went on, 
the parent goes out to help it. Log- logically, that's what you should do. Right. Yeah. I agree. Anyway, all wraps up very quickly as Star Trek is wont to do. And we get the the, the next uh, speech. I guess the last speech here, really. Every life comes to an end when time demands it. Mm. Loss of life is to be mourned, but only if the life was wasted. And Aichai's was not. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Spock makes his choice and we wrap things up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The, As we the, do in the original series. Mm-hmm. Right. And But one thing they did have time for, they mm-hmm. did make time for, is we get back to the present, I guess. Uh-huh. And the trio has their moment of banter. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's got to be love, Star Trek, right, banter. Mike? Yep. I, exactly. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, out of all the little things, like, I, I, and th- that's a great way to end a cartoon episode, though, too. Sure. Like, th- th- that's classic. And, and yeah. th- I mean, the fact that that's in the live action actually <laughs> is a little more surprising than, than putting it in, in the cartoon version, I think. Mm-hmm. Because going out on, on, on that laugh is, is kind of the way it should be. Everything's back to normal. Everything's better. There you go. There you that's go. That's it. Got to reset it all. It's got to go back to where it was so we can move on to our new episode next week and not yes, have sir. to worry about this one. I agree. All right, Matt. Well, that's your that's your episode. That is your sole animated series <laughs> episode for the sake of this podcast. Yes. But I, I, you know, I cannot recommend going and watching all of them. Uh-huh. And probably a little confession time. You know how I say at the beginning of each show, like, I've seen every episode of Star Trek more than once. Uh-huh. I cannot say the same thing is actually true of the animated series. <laughs> I have watched it once. I, there's, 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 I think I mentioned to you earlier, there's the Tribble episode, the animated Tribble episode. I tend to, I like to watch that one. I watch this one and then I tend to move on. And, okay. and to be honest, if I'm just being fully clear, I've not watched all these other ones multiple times, but I believe it. They're not necessarily canon, so I don't care. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. So, all right, Matt. Well, let me bring it down here before we move on and, and kind of segue into what we're going next as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you like the episode? Is this one you'd want to watch again? Do you get why this is part of our our run through? I, I definitely understand why it's part of the run through. Like I said, it, 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 combining it with like uh, Journey to Babel and stuff like that, it, it really kind of completed the story. Sure. It filled in all the gaps. Um, I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I think part of that is it was my first animated series episode. It was something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it had those familiar notes of characters I knew sure. and stuff like that. So I I, I, I enjoyed it once. I don't know that I would necessarily sit down and watch it again. I understand that. I get that. I get that. It is It is not my go-to. You yeah. know, I, I, I really... Uh, if if I'm gonna sit down and watch Star Trek on my own, mm-hmm. um, first of all, I'm not. I, I just I'm sorry. I'm just not going to the original series unless I'm yeah. making it a point to do a run through the original series. And then even when I do that, I may him and haw on whether or not I'm gonna add in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes what I'll do is I'll watch this one and then I'll start watching another one and I'll go, yeah, I'm not watching the rest of these. <laughs> Let's move on because there's so much good Trek. There really there's so much other Trek if I'm doing that kind of a run through. Uh-huh. So. All right, Matt. Well, that is that. Is that um, like I said, it's up to you uh, whether or not you want to do the other ones. Uh, I won't. I won't fault you for that. But uh, let's talk about where we go next. 
Sure. So uh, now is the time where our next episode, we are starting to move into the movies, uh, the yeah. original movies. And I've gone back and forth as to how we're going to do this. And for everybody out there listening, I'm going to go ahead and just lay out the next three for you guys. We're going to do three movies. Uh, the original cast did six movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to do three of them. We're going to do number two. We're going to do number four. And we're going to do number six. Because the even ones are always the best ones. That is okay. a mantra of Star Trek moviedom. The even <laughs> ones are good. The odd ones, not so much. Um, all right. I don't know that that holds true through all all of them. But certainly, I think in the original series, it does. Uh, that being said, um, that's how we're going to do that. So if if you want to watch number one, we're going to skip it for us. But, you know, it gives you it's the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, they, you may want to. They were learning. They were learning. And we'll talk about number three and number five later. But okay. uh, I'll give that to you. Now, let's talk about how we go from the animated series to the movies. Uh, ever since the cancellation of the original series, Gene had tried to be tried to lobby for a Star Trek movie, but he never really thought it would come to pass. Like we said, he thought the whole thing was dead. So he didn't push it. He didn't push it. He didn't push it. After the show ended, uh, the original series found new life and even greater popularity than ever before in syndication. They had the animated series that came out. Syndication moved it to like a three o'clock time slot in the afternoon, which guess who's home at three o'clock in the afternoon? Mm -hmm. All the kids from school. Yeah. Right. So while Star Trek was written for that college age, adult age person, and they didn't actually watch the show, the kids Uh watched the show. Like by and like it just blew up in in syndication. Sure. Um, Afterwards, Uh, toys started popping up. Fan conventions began. Star Trek, by the way, Matt, pretty much began fan convention culture, Mm. which existed as a way for Star Trek fans to get together and talk Trek. Sure. And it didn't matter what walk of life you came from. It didn't matter if you uh, had any kind of disability. It didn't matter what color your skin was. It didn't matter what your size was or what your bank account was. Everybody was there, was a fan of Trek, and that was good enough for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And and they really, it started as this small little thing. I want to say it was Boston was the first place they had one. And eventually they got like a cast member to come and, oh, that was big. And it, it just blew up into what the modern kind of fan convention is like. So Star Trek really began to take on its own life, right? Mm-hmm. With with the animated series, once it wrapped, obviously it didn't go super long by any stretch of the imagination, but most of the cartoons back then really didn't, if you look at them. Yep. Um, that kind of revitalized Gene Roddenberry about doing Star Trek. And he was talking to people, talking to people, and they decided, hey, um, let's start working on a movie. So they start working on a movie and kind of getting real serious, 1975 or so, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they're going through that. They're going through that. And eventually, uh, the network, NBC, decided to scrap those plans. NBC Paramount, I may have been Paramount. I'm not sure because rights were being sold back and forth at that time. Um They decided, hey, listen, let's scrap the plans for the movie and let's go back to our basics and do a television series. Let's do a new TV series. And Gene Roddenberry thought, cool, phase two. We're going to call it phase two. All right. So he begins developing this idea for phase two. Now, Matt, you know how in the history of Star Trek from time to time, I tell you about how Star Trek has received a boost from an unlikely source, like a Mm -hmm. Lucille Ball, a Dr. Martin Luther King, who kind of had a hand. Well, I'd like to tell you about two gentlemen who kind of had... Uh, a hand in helping Star Trek uh, move into its next phase from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Really? Yes. Although it was a little bit indirectly. All right. Okay. While the work had shifted to having a new series 
1977, a little film came out called mm-hmm. Star, Star Wars. Wars. Blew up. Yep. Everybody loved it. Not too long after that, another film came out called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm-hmm. directed by Steven Spielberg. Yep. Was also really, really, really successful. Space films, alien films were now a thing, to which Paramount went back to Gene Roddenberry and said, hey, you know that TV show you're working on? Let's scrap that and go back to the movie. Uh Let's go back to the movie idea, and let's do that. So that's how we get to a movie. In 1979, uh, they film, they release Star Trek The Motion Picture. Not generally considered a great movie. Uh, There has been some talk in the fandom recently about it's actually a better movie than it kind of gets credit for. (laughs) Sure. I disagree. I don't <laughs> I don't personally love it. I really do. I just find it boring. I fall asleep every time I watch it. Um but there's some new things about it. Uh I will tell you just something you should know going into this whole movie thing. Uh one of the 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 movie opens with Kirk as an admiral. He's been promoted to admiral, you know. Okay. In real life it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years since the original series went off the air, okay? Mm-hmm. Um in their world I don't know how long it's been, but it's been some time. Uniforms have changed, Starfleet is upgraded, you know, things are are a little bit different. Kirk's upgraded to an admiral and he hates it. Because he's just added, it's a desk job for him now. Hmm. Like, yeah, he got the promotion, but it's he's not captaining a ship. He's not doing yeah. what he loves, right? Um, there's another new captain of the Enterprise, and that's a whole thing that we didn't get to watch, so I'm not going to go into all that. But um, the Enterprise has just undergone a major, and I mean a major, 18-month-long refit. So when you look at the Enterprise on screen in the movie, okay, uh, for Wrath of Khan, Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's where we're watching. Well, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Yes, it is the same Enterprise that we know and love from the original series. They just okay. redecorated. All right. They moved some walls around, put some new carpeting <laughs> in, put some new computer systems in. Basically, they had a lot more budget. They yep. could make it look like they really wanted to. But yes, it is supposed to be the same Star Trek. It's the same NCC-1701. Okay. All right? Um, so I'll give you that because... I, you know, we don't need to have a huge conversation next time about like, wait a minute, I was confused. Was this the same Enterprise or not? No, it's the same sure. Enterprise, right? Uh, a couple of the other, like Kirk has been promoted to Admiral, a couple of the other characters, their positions and ranks have changed in the intervening years. You'll figure mm-hmm. all that out. They'll, they'll give you enough exposition and stuff. You know, just, oh, okay, I guess he changed. Cool. Moving on. Let's get back in the story, you know? All right. Um, so I think that's about all I'm going to give you uh, as that's far as fair. that. Um, it's funny. If you if you want a refresher, Matt, I don't know how long. Uh, it's been several weeks since we watched Space Seed. This is obviously going to be a sequel, a direct mm-hmm. sequel to Space Seed, uh, which is the episode about Khan. This is the Wrath of Khan. He's he's back, sort of. So if you want to rewatch it before you get into it, feel free. If you feel like you've seen it recently enough, you don't need to. You don't need to. They'll give you everything right. else you need to know. So uh, we are going on. That is the first movie we're doing. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And then we'll move on and we'll do four and six after that in the weeks following. After this next three-week run, though, Matt, Star Trek II, Star Trek IV, Star Trek VI, we begin the next series. All right. Next Generation, which I am so excited for because <laughs> now we're getting to my Trek, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Matt, with that... Um, I'll I'll give you a final chance for any observations, thoughts, questions maybe you have. Uh, You're shaking your head at me, so I'm going to say that's no. So why don't you tell the folks out there where they can find you uh, on the internets? Uh, You can find me over on Twitter at As A Matter Of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. 
and the show, you can contact the show at Pod on Twitter. It's probably the easiest place to get a hold of us, really, but you can also send us an email. Send us a hail to beanmeuppod at gmail.com. We're also on facebook.com. You can find our discussion group happening over there. Or, if you want, call and leave us a voicemail. We've got that set up. You guys can do that. 702-518-TREK. That's 702-518-8735. Uh, well, Matt, that's going to do it for us for this episode. So uh, we've already figured it out. So let's close the show out. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life.